On today's show, we help define what does man of the family actually mean? We talk to a beautiful young mom who's struggling with moving on after losing her young child. And we talk to a mother of a teenage girl who caught her and her boyfriend in their room and they weren't studying. She wants to know what to do next. Stay tuned. This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show, and I hope you are doing well. There's a lot of joy in the studio today because Kelly is gone, and Amanda is sitting in for Kelly. James, the smiling face is here. Zach's here. Everybody's happy. Kelly's not here because she's, quote unquote, with her family, right? Her son's graduating or something like that. Who prioritizes family over work, Kelly? What's wrong with America these days? No, actually, I'm pretty excited, man. That's pretty cool. Uh, we work at a pretty rad place. Go be with your family, man. We'll, there's always somebody can step in here. And let's be honest, this show is not rocket science. It's not super complicated. You're, you're special, James. Your mom raised a special fine young man. And Amanda, you are stellar and incredible. I'm just saying. Hey, listen. On this show, we talk about everything. So call us. We'd love to have you on. 1-844-693-3291. Call, leave a message. Um, or go to johndeloney.com slash show and fill out the form. Hey, before you get going, I have a producer note correction to make. Okay. The other day, we were talk- uh, when you did the lyrics of the day, Tiny Dancer, we were oh, making the joke closer. about Tony Danza, and I had thought it was from The Office, and wise Zach over here, we were walking out at the end of that day to the parking lot, and he goes, hey, it wasn't The Office, it was Friends, it was Phoebe, and so... I felt burdened to let our audience know that we made a huge mistake. And I like how you screwed that up and you collectively called it a we, but that's, as a good producer, we're all on the same team. You always remind us, well done, man. I literally chased him down in the parking lot. I'm like, no, it was from Friends. It was from Friends. And so for those of you who don't know, Insider Baseball, the um, video producer is not allowed to speak back there. James just is back there with his bullwhip. He literally just spoke. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, my microphone is on now. It works. So, everybody, I was lying to you. I was trying to set James up as this horrible villain. He's not. <laughs> he's a great guy. And listen, we've got a, a crowd full of people out here today. Look at everybody out there. All beautiful and handsome. And handsome and beautiful. It's good to see everybody. All right. So, we get lots and lots of emails, bajillions of them, phone calls. And they are often... Y'all listen to the show. It's heavy. This is a heavy show. And... Occasionally we get one that is not so heavy, but people still want to know the answer to it. So here we go. We're going to start today's show off with an email from Angie. And here's what Angie writes. And I need the folks in the booth. I need y'all's wisdom on this one. Angie writes, my husband and I are wondering if we should allow our 13-year-old daughter to get a double piercing on her ear. We have some hesitation and caution. We don't know if maybe we're being a bit too strict on that. Now, mind you, when you're listening to this, the emails are about abuse, um, just getting out of jail, should we stay married, I just caught my wife cheating, fill in the blank, and then wonderful, wonderful Angie just says, can you help me out with this? Should I let my daughter get her ears double pierced? Angie, go with your gut on this one. I, I don't, yes, 
I mean, clearly the next step is heroin addiction. I think you're. At- no, I'm kidding. It's all it's all relative, you know. If that's the biggest. So this happened. This happened in college. I came home from college and I had real long hair and f- I think five earrings. I was getting tattooed. I was I was turning into that guy. And I remember my dad in the car. He looked at me. Just that that shameful cop looks at his son that went to college and comes back looking like an idiot. And he just said, "You get those things out of your head," or something like that. And I said, "Dad, if the extent of my collegiate rebellion is that I punched holes in the side of my head." You win. You've won, Dad. You've won all of life. And he looked at me and smiled and said, please just take him out when we go to your grandmother's house. And I thought that was a fair play. That is fair. On a practical note, when my girls got their ears pierced recently, they get – it's like so much maintenance. They get infected real easily. So just from a practical standpoint, I'd say just stick with the one. Uh, see, uh, we we have a weird thing in our house. We Our kids bathe every day, and so they don't get all these infections and things like that. But it's cool to each their own. If you are on a weekly bathing schedule, probably stick to one. Stick to one. Um, Hey, man, you wait. Your daughter's too young to get her ears pierced, but pretty soon you'll see how it is. You'll come apologizing to me. My daughter's got three tattoos already. She got one for a fifth. She wanted them for her fifth birthday. That was like her thing. You want to go to Disney World, honey? No, I want a dragon tattoo on my back. And so we did it. It's cool. We're cool parents. Um, Angie, yes. I... Go with your gut. I don't have an even opinion on this. Um, I wonder what the hesitation would be. Yeah, if my, I'll put it this way, if my 13-year-old daughter, if, if that's the question that she asks me when she's 13, I will do it myself, and we'll have a good time with it. So, thank you for that. Let's go to uh, the phones. Let's go to Jupe in Denver, Colorado. What's up, Jupe? How we doing, man? Doing good, Doc. How you doing today? Good. Hey, do you have kids? Um, I do not have any kids. I have two nieces, though. Okay, um, so pretend your niece wanted to get double ear pierced. Is this a thing? Um, they actually do have their double ears pierced. How dare so, you, Jim? Um, Did you, you know, lose sleep yeah. over it? Was it a thing? Not for me, no. Unbelievable. So far, yeah. as a society, we're going down the toilet, Jupe. Just the I guess we are. Um, I'd also like to um, chime in that 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 song that that they uh, sang on Friends, yes. uh, that Tony Danza song. Um, they did actually sing it on The Office as well, but it was a parody. Whenever Michael Scott was handing out the Dundies, just so you know, so everyone's correct. Jupe, you are the man. You just made it full circle. Hey, Jupe, I'm, I'm hanging up on you now. I'm kind of through with you. I don't know what we were going to talk about, <laughs> but I'm kind of done. Listen, okay. if okay, you, I'll call in later. If you ever call into the show. Never support, man. James does not need a bigger head. He's got a size twelve hat back there, by the way. All right, Jupe. So what's up? How can I help? Yeah. So, um, uh, number one, thanks for taking my call, and also thank you, Kelly, for letting me be on the show. Um, but my my question is, um, just to kind of, um, the it's, um, how do I relieve the pressure off of myself to be the patriarch of our family and provide is kind of the basis of it. Um, Dig into it that really for stemmed. me. You said a lot of big words. I did. Um, what, do you, what do you need me to clarify? All of it. Okay. So um, when I was um, – I basically had three mentors in my life and it was my dad and both of my grandparents or my grandfathers. Um, everyone has been, uh, in the military. All of them were police officers. All of them served a greater good kind of, and they are just, I, what I would call a man's man, men of honor and that kind of stuff. Um, and when I was 20, 
Um, my dad was killed in an accident, mm. and then um, both of my grandfathers were killed within the next 12 months as well. Well, Yikes, they died of old man. age, but either way, all the men in my family were basically, um, were, had died within 12 months. And how old are you and, now, man? Um, I'm 28. Wow, that's a lot, brother. I'm sorry that happened. That's terrible, man. Yeah, so, um, and it was just always, uh, and like, uh, talking about my nieces, um, they're kind of like little sisters, I guess, because... Mm-hmm. Um, my sister was 15 years older than I is from my dad's previous marriage. And I grew up with them as kind of like them being my little sisters. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've always made it a point to like, for example, um, I moved, um, across a couple states to be with them whenever my sister got a divorce from her first husband. Um, cause I moved in cause I knew that they needed to have a man in the house to kind of like show them how a man is supposed to be. And, um, mm-hmm. now that I'm older, I kind of just, I don't know how to, like, I also I work a job full time and I'm, I'm, I, I'm successful at my job. Mm-hmm. I also have a side business that I'm running and I just don't know how to relieve the pressure off of myself of trying to be successful and be the man of the family and the patriarch, I guess. So I, th- I think, man, so I, I get your heart here. Okay. And I think it is a, I think you're a really noble guy. I think you care about your family and you saw a gap and you did whatever. I mean, you packed up and moved across country. You did what you could to, um, what, with the tools you had in your toolkit, man, you said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that there's a roof over the head of everybody. Right. What mm-hmm. I would do is challenge you to step back a little bit with this, this, you, you've mentioned a bunch, this idea of a quote unquote man of the house. Got to have a man of the house, got to have a man of the house, and somehow that has come now you're you feel like you're at a crossroads i either have to be this or i want to go pursue a career in what i want to be and what i want to do and so i want to i want you to back up a little bit define for me what the man of the house means what does that mean so not not what you were not what you were and not you had some studs um some service oriented tough guys right in your life. Yeah. And don't look back at the things you did or didn't do. When you just hear somebody say man of the house, what does that mean? Me being the man of the house or like the patriarch of the family. I know it's a big term, but um, it's being the person that people look up to and people go to when things are hard. It's like the rock that your family leans on. Hmm. And what are the sacrifices in your mind that The Rock makes in order to fulfill that position, that role? Um, I would say um, putting their own emotions to the side, Okay, I suppose, like, not, and not showing um, lots of weakness okay. whenever everyone else is kind of having a hard time. Okay. Whew. How honest do you want me to be with you? You know, Doc, I appreciate your straightforward approach. So whatever you got, bring it on. You did tell James that he, he wasn't as dumb as he thought he was. I did. All right. So you can use that as ammo. I, I, I won't. So um, you, if you've been listening to the show long, you know I've worked behind closed doors with cops, military folks, and that my dad was a homicide detective. Like, you know that that's my, been my universe for a long time. And what I would tell you is 
this idea of quote unquote patriarch, this this stoic rock that puts that shoves emotions in a drawer so that the rest of a family can anchor into that. Dude, I think that's one of the greatest ills of our current society. And here's why. When people anchor into an emotionless rock, it makes any emotions that they feel, it makes them feel sick. It makes them feel broken or not normal. Not, not, um, yeah, not normal. It makes them feel like, oh gosh, I have to be that, which is really robotic, right? And mm. I think the greatest gift a male presence in the in the life of um, nieces and nephews and sisters and sons and daughters and mothers is to both do the right things, right? Make sure you take care of yourself and you set a good example and you live a highly disciplined life and you treat people with dignity and respect, but also that you let people know when you're scared and when you're really sad and you're frustrated. And so people get to watch somebody experience these feelings, have them, own them. This sucks. My heart is broken. I'm super sad. And we've all got some hard decisions to make tomorrow. I've got to get up. I need to not eat that. I'm still going to go work out. Or I'm not going to work out. I'm going to sit here and hold my kid because she's upset, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's this – It's the ability to do both and. And I think culturally we've lost both and. We're either and or we're all both, right? It's all one side or the other. Um, either this idea of a masculine presence has been just beaten up and discarded or it has been over magnified, right? And so what I will tell you is it's when a police officer who's shot somebody can weep and say, I can't believe that had to happen. I can't believe I'm there. Then they're able to go back to their job with empathy that, that the job demands. It's when they can look at their wife and say, I'm so sorry I haven't been here for so long. Or they can look at their husband and say, I'm so sorry that I'm bringing my cop work home. And what makes me an effective police officer here makes me not a great wife or husband here. That's when you can start to see healing in some of those relationships. So I would tell you the greatest gift you could give your nieces is to be a super successful business person at whatever you want to do and make sure you call them regularly and make sure you know about who they're dating and make sure you're poking fun at whoever they're dating and make sure that they that you show up when you're able to and that you FaceTime them and, and, and that they know that they have a place in your heart and that they have value and that you are also doing the things that you need to do every day. Does that make sense? It's less of a cartoon character in a, in a little green G.I. Joe man and more of a living, breathing guy who is vulnerable and who is open and who still gets up and does the hard things that he needs to do. And by the way, moms all across the country are rock solid people that hold homes together and hold families and marriages together and are safe places to go. And so I think what you did was a really noble thing. And your family is is been gifted for generations because of what you did. I also think it's time that you can show them, hey, I'm really struggling with this. This is hard for me. And I love you guys. I'm afraid that if I go work really hard on my business, you aren't going to get the attention you deserve. And I'm going to do the best I can. And I think those kind of vulnerable, open conversations, those 
man, those are legacy changing. So when I tell you that, how does that sound to you? Do I sound like a, some kind uh, of wimp, twenty like a millennial weenie with tight jeans and a mustache? No, not at all. Also, I'm a millennial. I resent that. But no. Um, <laughs> well played. That that uh that absolutely makes total sense. It's being being both without having to be a stoic rock. Being um being being able to express yourself and still being able to be there for people. Anytime you feel like you have to live into this this mythological role, that's when you're going to get yourself in trouble. Because you're going to become a caricature of yourself. And when you're playing a role, people that you love can tell you're not being you. You're not being authentic. You are pretending to be a thing. You are sliding into, I'll, I'll, dad's not here, so I'll become dad. Well, everybody knows you're not dad. What they need is uncle. They need brother. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And that takes a lot of pressure off of you to be something that you're not. It lets you a lot of pressure off them to treat you some weird hybrid way. And then everybody can experience grief together and joy together and laughter together. And you still need to be doing, taking care of your business. Right. But I would be telling you that if you were saying, Hey, I need to fill this stereotypical maternal role too. Instead mm-hmm. of trying to fill these roles as a, as an uncle, I just need you to sit back and relish the fact that you're a pretty good guy and you were raised well. And now it's time to let your nieces and nephews know the full you, brother. All of it, right? All of it. So go do your business well and write them a letter once a week. Do things like that that they're going to be able to to hold and see and experience and feel. Tell them when you are scared. Tell them when you have a hard business decision to make. Let them know. Call them and say, hey, this is really hard for me. You will give them more peace and make them feel less nuts. You will make them feel less lonely. In a world where everybody's a cartoon character right now, you're going to give them a dose of humanity that they don't have. God almighty, what a gift that will be. So, Jupe, good heart, brother. I'm proud to have, um, it's an honor to have gotten to speak to you today. Now I want you to put down the quote-unquote paternal, the man of the house. Just breathe. Continue to speak the truth. Be respectful. Treat people with dignity. Continue to take care. Be a good steward of your body. Work out, take care of yourself, make sure you're able to handle yourself so that you never have to. And then also, don't be too big to hold your nieces. Tell them that you're scared. Be honest with them. Man, that's generational. That's, that's legacy shifting, brother. One of the most common questions folks ask me is what they should do when anxiety or panic strikes, you know, like a lightning bolt. And I've been helping folks one-on-one for years, but I wanted to create something that Everyone could use anywhere at any time. So I created a free guided meditation. And it's not really a meditation, but really just me walking with you through your anxiety alarms from start to finish. I'll guide you through a breathing exercise and show you how to lean in, listen, and head towards healing. It's free and for everyone, even you tough, hard chargers, right? You can download this guided meditation today for free at johndeloney.com. All right, let's go out to Hannah in Dallas, Texas. Hannah, what's going on? Hi, Dr. John. How are you? I'm all right. How about you? Trying to take it one day at a time. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. So what's going on? (laughs) Sorry. No, that's okay. That's all right. Take your time. Um, 
Man, it's hard. Here, watch me this. Do, do yeah. a favor for me. I want you to take a deep breath as you can. I want you to hold it. And I'm going to count to three, okay? Breathe it in as deep as you can. Hold it for one, two, three, and then let it out. And then do it again. And this time I want you to breathe in through your nose, okay? Breathe in as deep as you can. And hold it. One, two, three. And then just blow it out. That really helps. And I'm glad that you called. What's up? Um, well, a couple months ago, my husband and I lost our first daughter. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Thanks. How old um, was she? She was just a week. Yeah. Hmm. What a nightmare. Um, she had a chromosomal disorder and so we we saw it coming and so we were savoring every moment with her but it doesn't matter right yeah yeah Yeah. we have a piece about like everything that happened and we we kind of understand it as well as we can Mm -hmm. but it just it doesn't take away the pain yeah. So what what have the last two months been like? Uh, the first month wasn't bad. We were, like, as bad as it could have been, you know? Sure. Um, I feel like it was still, like, a lot of shock and a lot of time being able to uh, remember her and make honor her, I guess, through just writing things about her and telling people about her, but um, the past month, it's been getting a little harder. Yeah. And I I guess I don't really know very well how to cope and manage the grief as it's just been getting harder. Hmm. So when you say getting harder, what does that mean? Like, feeling like I'm going to cry at the drop of a hat mm-hmm. all the time. And I'm just thinking about her constantly. And before, it was really easy to hear. Well, I mean, I guess it wasn't easy, but it was, it didn't feel as painful to um, hear about other people's kids and other people's births. Mm-hmm. Um, and now people, like, I see them getting on with their pregnancies and their births um, and people just talking about passing away and like just with older people and those things are just starting to hit a little closer and making me miss her more and more. Mm-hmm. How are you and your husband? I think we're doing okay. I know we could be doing better. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So we love each other. Well, it's like a miss. It just has felt like misconnection for a while. Yeah. So 
how far along in your pregnancy did you did you know this was coming? We were twenty weeks when we found out that something was wrong. And how uh, how long did you carry? Uh, thirty eight weeks. Okay. Wow. So another another few months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. What you described so beautifully the last, the first month is a really remarkable defense mechanism our bodies have, which is almost this disconnection from everything, just so we can get through the day to day to day to day, right? And as you're, you begin to plug back in, as your body, and I hate this analogy, but as it starts to come back online, the reality of what happened hurts so bad. And you've been grieving this for a long time. You were grieving this at twenty month, at you know twenty twenty weeks, right? And husbands and wives always grieve these things differently, which then feels like there's a gap between them and there's something we're not okay, or we could be like as you said, quote unquote, we could be doing better. And that spins different th- different alarm systems off, right? So hear me say this: wherever you are right now is okay. And if you feel like crying real hard, I want you to have permission to cry real hard. And if you don't want to leave the house for a minute, don't leave the house for a minute. There's a few things I'll tell you in here in a minute that I want to make sure that you've got, um, that you've, you've got at your fingertips to make sure you've got people that are walking with you in this deal. But there's not a lot of shoulds. Everybody's grief looks different. Everyone's looks painful. Everyone's looks, or not everyone's looks painful. Some people just move right on. Other people are devastated. Other people comes in waves. Everyone's looks different. Tell me about this little baby's um, funeral. How did y'all, how did y'all celebrate her life? It was really sweet. Um, My husband and I both wrote, uh, I guess, stories about the week that we had with her hmm. um, just how much we loved her and I made her a little dress out of my wedding dress and it oh, was wow. really beautiful yeah uh, my husband bought her a necklace hmm. three little hearts <laughs> and uh, we had all of our family come and a lot of our really close friends and community come and support us. We did a slideshow. We had pictures. And my husband uh, kind of gave, I guess, a eulogy of her life and just how much she changed us and how much we love her. So, Hannah, I've heard... um, I don't I don't know the number of folks I have talked to over the years in a similar situation. And that may be the most beautiful um, celebration I've ever heard. It's incredible. Yep. And it doesn't mean it hurts any less. And it doesn't mean what happened is okay. It doesn't mean that y'all aren't um, still wrestling every minute of every day. But it's beautiful, and I'm glad that y'all did that. That's really remarkable. So as you're navigating this a month later, this becomes super real, right? And not only that is as 
at some at some level your body is still re-regulating itself after a pregnancy there's a lot going on do you have a doctor you're continuing to work with um kind of not really no okay I think we're done with doctors now. <laughs> okay. I can imagine that's not a happy place right now. So if you find yourself um, increasingly unable to, to function, if you increasingly, I'm, I'm getting out of bed, feels like I've got a backpack full of cinder blocks on, right? Um, I can't move my legs out of my bed. I want you to make a phone call to your doctor, okay? And um, I also want you to make sure that you have a couple of women in your life, either they've experienced something similar or you have 100% trust in them and you can reach out to them and let them know that you're my go-to and I'm going to text you at all hours of the night. I'm going to text you crazy things that come to my mind. I'm going to call you crying. I'm going to call you laughing. And if I say, hey, I need I need tacos now, y'all are going to come and that they'll show up. Okay. Do you have those people in your life? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And you trust them? I trust them. It's just I don't want to feel like, a, like I'm, I'm burdening them. Like okay. I know that they'd be there. but There you go. So you don't um, – you're going to have to let that go for a season, okay? That's why we have other people. They hold our hands up and our arms up when we can't. That's why we have community, right? Yeah. So – a really important place for you to zero in soon is with your husband. Okay. And, um, I did not understand what my wife was going through in not quite the same situation, but, um, related. I didn't get it. I didn't understand. And it was after a couple of really hard and direct, um, conversations that, my eyes were opened in a pretty significant way. And so whether you can do that directly or he can hear that or do that with you, share that with you directly, or you all need to go get somebody that you trust to, to sit with both of you, um, I want you all to make sure, A, you're giving each other space to grieve however you all grieve. And everybody does this differently. You can't get in the grief comparison game. It's real easy for you to start saying, hey, man, are you going to get over this? we got to move on. And him to start saying, hey, when are we going to try for it? All that stuff feels so intrusive and hard and messy and gross. And making sure y'all are set a, setting aside dedicated time to, that y'all are on the same page. And you're both giving each other permission to be heard and to speak. And the more you speak and the more open you feel and the more y'all reconnect, not that it makes this thing hurt less, but your, your body knows that you've got somebody to share this burden with. It helps with the healing, okay? The other other way this happens so often is one of you starts to move on faster than the other. The other person be, becomes devastated by that, and you just get into this dance that will haunt your marriage for years and years. It all starts and ends with you, both of you being willing to be open and compassionate and quiet with one another and to be able to speak truth to each other. Are y'all in a position where you can do that? Are you willing to try that? For sure, yeah. Okay. At some point, you'll begin to, the the hard but more light, the more optimistic turn, which is making meaning of this. Why us? 
Why did that beautiful little baby have a chromosome issue? Why? Why did I carry to term a beautiful kid and only get to spend five, six, seven days with her? Why did we have to do this? Why did our families have to come up for this? Why me? Why my husband? Y'all will begin to make me. What are we going to do now? And that's when you begin to take this pain and this frustration and this why and you turn it into so now, right? You begin to make meaning out of this thing. And that looks different for everybody. Whether you become a go-to resource for folks experiencing a similar thing, whether you become, um, you already are the greatest mom I've, I've talked to in a long time. Um, you become even more um, cognizant of what's coming, ne- of your next kid that comes along, or, 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 or meaning-making looks different for everybody, but you'll get there. Right now isn't that time. It's not to beat yourself up for crying. It's not to beat yourself up because I can't get out of bed. It's not to beat yourself up because I haven't talked to my husband in a while. There's not a playbook for people's grief right now. It's to experience it and to feel it and make sure you got people around you. And then there's the little things. Make sure you're eating, right? Make sure you're showering. Make sure you're drinking water. Make sure you get outside and go for a walk, right? The little things that we forget to do. We look up. We haven't eaten in a week, right? Um, Have you been there yet? Or you haven't showered in a week? No, I'll keep showering. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. It's your husband that's not. Gross, gross. Um, But yeah, make sure you're doing the little things. And if you don't, have somebody that texts you along the way, right? That will just say, hey, we're going to get lunch. You're eating. And you'll say, I'm not hungry. And they'll say, well, too bad because I'm showing up with enchiladas, right? Whatever that looks like. But make sure you got people to walk alongside you. Here's the person I want you to really love and honor over the next 30 to 60 days, okay? Hannah. Okay. Cool? Yeah. I want Hannah to write Hannah a letter. And I want Hannah to acknowledge what a great mom Hannah is. I want Hannah to acknowledge how much this sucks. Moms are not supposed to bury kids. They're just not. It's not how, the, it's, not how it's supposed to work. And I want Hannah to... Talk to Hannah about what tomorrow might look like, what the future might look like. But I want Hannah to be really graceful with Hannah right now. You are right in the middle of it, okay? And like I said, if it gets too heavy, please be brave and call somebody. You promise me that? I promise. Okay. It's one of the greatest honors of my professional life to get to talk to you. Thank you. Do you promise me you're going to let yourself cry? Yeah, I will. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Not like you got a choice, though, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Before we go, I want you to tell me one thing that you wrote in that letter to your daughter. thankful I was that God gave her to me hmm. so that I could love her. Hmm. In that few days you had with her, what was the sliver of joy she brought you? I got to hold her hmm. and she had the squishiest face. <laughs> 12 little fingers and 12 toes that were our favorites. Yeah. 
Ah, they're the cutest, not cute thing at all when they're two days, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you, everyone has to lie to everybody, like, look how cute. And then they're like, oh, how cute. And everyone knows everybody's lying, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing like that squishy face on your chest, huh? There's nothing like it. Yeah. And there never will be. Yeah. You're a brave, tough, vulnerable spirit. And I'm grateful for you, Hannah. Thank you. Honor that baby. Honor Hannah. Honor your marriage. Make sure you reach out for help. Make sure you got a group of people walking with you. Make sure your gross husband is showering. And I want you to keep us updated on your journey here, okay? Um, don't hesitate to write us back. If Man, if things ter- take a turn sideways, give me a call back. Give me a call back. Oh, here's one more thing. You're going to get, <laughs> listen, you're going to get the stupidest advice you've ever heard in your life. You're going to get the dumbest, cliched, cheeseball sayings. You're going to start seeing more of your friends pregnant. You're, the, the COVID numbers are going to, you know, the people getting sick and people passing away, those are going to look like giant neon red flashing lights. It's just your heart and mind scanning the environment for another opportunity for you to get hurt. And I want you to know it feels like things are closing in on you. And they're not. You're surrounded by people who love you. You're surrounded by a guy that loves you and you're... And you're strong and you're tough. But now's not the time for strong and tough. Now's the time for weeping and mourning. Whew. Thanks for honoring us, Hannah. Here's my promise to you. There's a lot of women, a lot of men listening to this right now who have experienced that, know somebody who's experiencing that, and just hearing your heart and walking through that is a gift. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Let's take one more call. Let's go to uh, Mary in Champaign, Illinois. Mary, what's going on? How are we doing? Hi, John. Um, thank you for taking my call. I'm really excited to talk to you today. And I'm um, excited to talk to you. It's been a blessing. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> thank you. We'll see. They always think I am until they actually call. <laughs> so what's up? Well, we'll see. Um, so I'm looking for some advice on how to navigate a conversation with my daughter's boyfriend's parents. Um, to kind of give you a little bit of background. Yes, <laughs> um, I think I know what's coming. Please tell me I'm right. You're probably right. Um, so she's 16 and there she's are, been dating hey, this boy. There are no good conversations that begin with, I need help talking to my daughter's boyfriend's parents. <laughs> you are absolutely right. It's going to sound like I'm laughing at you. I promise I'm not. But my daughter's yeah, you're five. Definitely- my time will come, but it's not here yet. So I'm with you on this. Okay, so yes. I interrupted. So, Your daughter's 16? Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, she is 16. She's been dating a boy for about six months, and which is like basically forever when you're 16. It's a thousand years, yes. <laughs> yes. So um, things are getting, or feeling, I guess, pretty serious. Um, <laughs> she um, had him over last week. And basically what happened is, hold you know, on, we have a, a lot of kids. Hold on, hold on. You, Go ahead. <laughs> you started this call so good. So like, all right, I need your advice on this thing that happened here. 
And now yes. that we're getting closer, <laughs> you're circling this thing like like a slow record player in slow mo. It's like it's unfolding. Yeah. So then a thing happened at our yeah. house, and you know, right? <laughs> Barry White um, was on the record player, and all right. So walk me into this. Here we go. So I was busy with my other kids. We were all together, you know, hanging out, watching movie. Um, I was I got busy with the other kids, and. Uh, Everybody kind of went outside, and I was like, okay, well, it's time for me to do something, you know, around the house. So I asked my daughter and her boyfriend to do a thing, and I thought they went and did a thing, but they did something else. Oh, they did a thing, so, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so luckily, I didn't keep, I didn't actually visualize the thing that happened. Um, I only heard what happened. No! Um, and then, <laughs> yeah. So you then heard I, made it? It. I think I'd yes. rather see it than hear it. <laughs> Yeah, I think she thought that I was outside. <laughs> so um, I just made it blatantly clear that I was not outside. And then it was super awkward after that. And But I did not confront them or have a conversation at that moment. Um, I thought it wouldn't really be helpful because I was probably a little emotional and, you know, feeling some kind of way. Um, yes. <laughs> so I hey, decided hey, to table just, that conversation. Okay, so. I know it's about to get serious. But so before we take a turn into like, this is actually, this is hard. I know this is hard. No, hard. no parent. I know. <laughs> no. But I have to know, what's the thing you said? So I didn't say anything to them. Did you just um, make really loud noises and be like, hello, hello? I, what did you do? I honestly just got very loud. Like I started to do dishes and clang things around. <laughs> you know, oh, so you didn't go, make them, you didn't go didn't, charging into the room no, and be like, I, I know. No. So do they know that you know? Yes. They, they are aware. <laughs> so we actually tabled the conversation. He left not long after that, and I just didn't say anything. Um, and then my husband and I had a conversation with our daughter separately. Um, we're pretty open about these things. We're aware that teenagers are teenagers, and they have hormones, and they're going to do things. Yeah. Um, and so our daughter wasn't super uncomfortable to talk about it, which is very odd because I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but... We did have a conversation with her, but now I'm wondering how to go about having a conversation with A, do I have a conversation with her and her boyfriend together? And B, how do I talk to his parents about this? Because at some point she's going to need or not need to, but want to go to his house and hang out. Okay. And we have to set some boundaries and have some conversations. And I just, I don't know where they are. His parents are on this, you know, journey and so i just kind of want to i guess set a precedence of boundaries yeah so so you don't have a relationship with her number one thanks for letting me laugh along with you um <laughs> i'm just projecting into the future here in my own house and so right. um i don't <laughs> i appreciate you letting us all walk alongside you and yeah. actually you went way ahead of us all we're just watching <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> and so in all seriousness, yeah, I know this is hard. Um, yeah, that's just hard. And so, oh man, this one's kind of messy. So you don't know his parents. You don't really have a relationship with him I other don't. than, okay. Um, I know him way better than I know his parents. He okay. mostly comes to our house. Um, so she doesn't usually visit there and I have just, you know, seen his father in passing, uh, pick up, drop off. Um, okay. we have talked about having them over for dinner and honestly just never really got around to it. But now I know that absolutely needs to happen now. So, Hey, um, listen, yeah, 
That would be the greatest per- parent revenge dinner of all time. <laughs> like, we're going to have his parents over, and we're all going to talk about this together. That would be the most legend baller parent move of all time. You, if that happens, record it, because it will be a YouTube sensational pay your house off. It would be incredible. Oh, goodness. Man. So, oh, yeah. Because, how old is this cat? Is he 16, too? He is also 16, yeah. Okay. So... <laughs> This is one of those things that the world has shifted a little bit underneath us. Mm-hmm. If this had happened when I was 16, I feel like in that universe, parents trusted other parents to have these type of conversations with their kids. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a world where I just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me anymore. Yeah. And so for you to go about talking to him now, if, he came over and you wanted to address the boundaries of your home. Mm-hmm. I think that's fully okay. Um, and so one would be a boundaries conversation and one would might be the moral character. Like I'll tell this kid, like not my daughter, that conversation. Right. Right. So backing out first and foremost, high five to you for raising a 16 year old that y'all could have this conversation. It wasn't weird for y'all. No, well, it really that, wasn't. We actually laughed more than it was awkward. So, so listen, you you're know, doing okay. you are you are way ahead of the curve. Yeah, it would have been more awesome if you'd run in there screaming and yelling and <laughs> and throwing water on him, whatever. Um, but the fact that you recognized, I'm not going to handle this well right this second. I'm going to let him know that I'm going to put a stop to this by letting him know that I'm here and I know what's going on, and mm-hmm. I'm going to get control of my emotions before I broach this. Good for you. High right. five to you. That's. That's awesome. Second is both you and your husband addressed this. That's awesome. And you addressed it obviously in a way that um, allowed for some levity and some seriousness. What I often see people do is try to treat their 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds and 18-year-olds like their 10-year-olds. Right? My 10-year-old, I can end your world. I can cut off your communication to the outside world. 16-year-olds will go hook up in an Arby's parking lot, right? I mean, it's a different yeah. game unless you just say you're homeschooling now. You don't get any electronics. I'm going to cut you. And then then you're on borrowed time, right? Then you're 700 right. days away from them saying bye, right? Yeah. And so there there is a – that in my house, these are my boundaries. These are my rules. And, man, you're – if I'm going to default to relationship more than, than um, excommunication, right? That's a hard – the fishy, scary boundary. How'd your husband handle this? Um, he surprisingly wasn't as upset as I thought he would be. Okay. Um, I talked to him about it first and then we talked about it and how we were going to approach it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of made a game plan and then we talked about it with her. Um, so we made sure that none of the other kids were around and we had her by herself and, you know, we just kind of brought it up and, you know, just said, okay, we know that, something's happening. I don't know what the thing is, but it's, there's some stuff happening and, you know, we need to talk about it and really talk about the boundaries in our home and, you Good know, you, where do we go from here? And so. the fact that you and your husband put your heads together and talked about it and came up with a, a plan that y'all shared together. I mean, that's just parent 101. You're, you're way far ahead. Good for you guys. Sure. So at the end of the day, um, because he's a child, this kid's a child, mm-hmm. I would give his parents a heads up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. I'd call him and say, Hey, look, this happened at our house. And we talked to our daughter about it. We like your son. Um, we don't hate him. We don't think anybody's evil, but because they're kids, we, th- we thought it was right for you to know. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I that's how I would handle this. Okay. Again, you never know what's coming, what's next. Um, they may say, so? Like they're 16. Yeah. Or they may say, oh my gosh, you're breaking up right away and there's no communication. Ever. You never know how that's going to go. When it, That's the, the hard, crappy part about having boundaries mm-hmm. is you can't be responsible for other people response to your boundaries. Right. So one of my boundaries is if there is a child acting um, um, – not being safe, whether that's mm-hmm. playing out in the road or um, it, whatever the thing happens to be, I'm going to bring the other parents into the loop. I'm just going to let them know, right? Mm-hmm. Again, 20, 30 years ago, you have that conversation with the two of them, and then it stays there. I, think still, I don't think we're there anymore. And so I always want to make partners with um, other parents in my community with kids. So I, I wouldn't hold on to that. I would be ready for the ramifications of that. This may all be fun, and, not fun in games, but relationship building. Your daughter got to hear from you. I think this is an awesome opportunity for you, not without dad, to take daughter out. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You heard her, so now it's time for her to listen to you. And you can tell her about your teenage years. You can tell her about your awkward experiences, how um, even when you're married, things can get off the rails and weird and hard and unexpected and awkward. I think this is a time for you to um, really speak into that relationship between you and your daughter. I think that could be a really magic season for y'all. And she is going to... You can melt her, and it's a. I hope you do, right? I hope you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you could call this guy's parents, and he could get cut off, and then your daughter's going to turn on you. Expect right. that could happen, and that doesn't mean you did the wrong thing. Okay, um, that means that his parents have different values and different boundaries than you guys do, and that's just part of it. Your daughter's gonna. You're playing a long game with her now, and she's going to know that you're. At the end of the day, you're doing what you could to keep her safe and to keep right. her tethered to the values that your family has, whatever they may be. I do have to know, are you nervous about that conversation? you feel empowered about it? Like, tell me about I how that phone call is going to I feel really nervous go. about that conversation. I don't... So tell me why. I'm, I honestly, I don't know that we have the same values as in... I'm honestly worried that it's going to be a so what, like no big deal. Um and then I will have to put some really strong, firm boundaries about her visiting his house. And so that is kind of what I am concerned about. He really likes his family a lot. And I think she wants to continue, you know, going there and, you know, and trying to build that relationship with his family. But if they aren't, aren't really on the same pace with values, then I feel like I should not let her go there, if that yeah. makes sense. I think this is a really pivotal time for... You and your daughter's relationship. I wholeheartedly support you. Your values are your values. And if you don't want her in an unsafe situation, then that's your right as a parent. And um, I I hope, and I know this is easier said than done, I hope that you will always feel affirmed in your parent values, whatever they happen to be. And I hope you will always default to a relationship too, which it sounds like y'all clearly have. Um. But if you have to draw some boundaries and say the only time you can see this this boy are at my at our house, and if you violate those, then it's not going to be that you saw this boy. It's that now we can't trust you because we put a boundary up, whatever that happened to be, and you violated the boundary. Then it's not about the the action number one. It's about number two, right? 
Um, This is an important season for you guys, a really important season. And so for whatever it's worth, um, from the outside, it sounds like you guys are handling this with the right amount of humor and grace and communication in your marriage with your kids. Good for you guys all the way across. My hope is that 20 years from now, she's married to some knucklehead, and this becomes a hilarious Thanksgiving story I'll tell over and over. Um, and that this becomes a really remarkable time that you can teach her um, about valuing herself and what love looks like and how messy relationships can get. And Because you've walked there, right? Um, and that can be a really vulnerable, honest time between you and her. And it could get really off the rails. And so if it gets off the rails, I hope that you will continue to loop back to your default this first time around, which is I'm going to make sure my husband and I are on the same page. We're always going to we're going to head into these these value conversations together. We're going to make sure we're not putting our daughter on blast in front of our other kids unless it's really funny. Then it's got to come up at the dinner table for sure. Um, but. That you're, and you're continuing to honor her in that relationship. How she chooses to revolt and throw her 16-year-old fits against up and up and down against your boundaries, that's her deal. That's what 16-year-olds do, right? Um, that doesn't mean you're wrong or out of whack or out of balance. 20 years from now, she'll thank you. Five, 10 years from now, she'll thank you. But yeah. you, you said it best. Six-month relationships are a 1,000-year marriages to 16-year-olds. <laughs> Everything's the most dramatic thing ever. And oh, my gosh, yeah. you took away my love. Uh. Um <laughs> So here, high five to you, parent to parent. Way to go, Mary. Thank but yeah, you. I'd make that Thank conversation. You. I'd have that conversation. And um, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would do my best to not let my heart rate get up one beat extra. You have okay. nothing to be ashamed about. Your values are your values. You've got nothing to, um, um, the unknown is the unknown, but you're doing the right thing. Good for you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your help and your insight because um it's just i don't know it's just kind of messy it feels really overwhelming so it does and tell tell you let your daughter in on that too okay and when you say hey you're still a child you're a kid she'll be like no i'm 16 i can drive and i <laughs> can hook up with my boyfriend when you guys are out in the yard i can do whatever i want like yeah i know and you're still 16 Right. And that's it's so hard. You might as well start telling her how you used to go uphill in the snow to school both ways. I mean, it's, it's like that. You're in that territory. Or back when I was a kid, Metallica was really heavy metal. You're, I know you all sound like that, but um, those conversations and that, that continuing to go back to relationship, back to relationship, back to values, back to values, back to relationship, trumps everything. Good for you. Good for you. Um, hey, if you will do me a huge favor, this is <laughs> this isn't for the audience. It's just for me personally. I have to know how that conversation goes. So if you'll write back um, and let us know how it goes, or call back and leave a message. And if it's a disaster, if the, the her that guy's dad just starts laughing at you, you idiot! What a nerd! Let me know that too. Um, then he'll be an idiot. But. Um, Anyway, give me a call back. I, I got to know how this ends. Uh, but thank you so much for the call, Mary. I just got so many feelings on this. I have so many feelings. I have so many jokes that I want to make. I have so many things that I want to announce to 16-year-olds that I'm not going to announce. Oh, my gosh, dude. My kids are 11 and 5. I'm not ready for this, James. We need to we need to produce a subscriber paid subscription 
podcast version where you just say what's exactly on my mind yeah we could make a fortune it only last two episodes before we got canceled but it would be spectacular that's true it would be spectacular well so hey as we wrap up today's show (laughs) 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 yep every once in a while the stars align ladies and gentlemen the stars align you know those moments when, uh, nope, we're just going to do this. So, Tommy James and the Shondells wrote a song a long time ago. It was cool, but it was re-recorded back when I was a kid by the one and only Tiffany. And in light of Mary from Champagne's extraordinary adventure in her own home, the song of today's by the aforementioned Tiffany. It's called I Think We're Alone Now, and it goes like this. Children behave. That's what they say when we're together. And watch how you play. They don't understand. Oh, honey, marry your mom. She, she understands. And so we're running just as fast as we can. Can, can, can. Holding on to one another's hand. Trying to get away into the night. And then you put your arms around me, and we tumble to the ground. And then you say, I think we're alone now. <laughs> You're clearly not. There doesn't seem to be anyone around. I think we're alone now. The beating of our hearts is the only sound. Except for Mary out in the living room saying, Hello, I can hear you. I think we're alone now. There doesn't seem to be anyone around. We all thought that when we were 16. And we were all wrong. This has been the Dr. John Deloney Show.